Blog Talk Radio. On today's Mama Love It show, we're going to talk about this week's civics assignments about Article 2 of the Constitution, the Executive Branch, and the Electoral College. We'll answer more student questions, play Would You Rather, and go over today's journal entry. As always, we'll wrap it up with an idiom and a dad joke or two. Today's Mama Levitt show is brought to you by Barry's Barometer Barn, your number one local spot for all your barometer needs. Let's go. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Good morning, everybody, to a special early bird edition of the Mama Levitt Show with everyone else. We're up early at 9 o'clock because Miss Levitt, Miss Mara, and I have a different meeting at 11 o'clock. But it's episode 19 of the Mama Levitt Show. It's Wednesday. It's May 6th. The year 2020 will forever be remembered as the year when nothing happened. School day 33. <laughs> Overall day 55 of coronation. Morning, Miss Mara. How are you? I'm doing just dandy. The sun shining. Dandy. So we'll take that as a positive. Sun. Yeah, dandy. That's a good good Thank adjective. Miss, uh, Mrs. Lovett, how are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well this morning. I agree with It's a dandy day. I love that word. Um, dandy. It's, it's, it's very beautiful out. Um, it may be a little chilly, but at least the sun is shining and, and it's bright, and I, I that makes me happy. So much different when the sun is out, don't you think? But the month oh, yeah. of April, mm-hmm. the month of April was just so depressing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Not only were we stuck inside, but it was the weather was it was cold. I think the high temperature in all of April I saw was like sixty-two, and it hit it once, and then that was it. Crazy. Um, so yeah. today's Wednesday. Yeah. We got a couple things going on today. We're going to talk a lot about the Electoral College. We're going to have another idiom, dad joke. We'll answer a lot more student questions. We got some good ones. I got some other ones that are just good for discussion. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, we didn't do any shout outs on Monday. Do you guys have any particular students you would like to shout out? Miss Levitt, you got anybody? Um, I just. Shout out to those kids that keep coming on to the Zoom meetings, Lily and Justin and Andreas um, and Diana. Um, I, I see you guys all the time, um, and you come on to the meetings regularly. Um, so it's nice to see you and checking in and everything like that. And I hope you guys continue to do it. Yeah, I agree with that, too. We're, we're starting to keep track more of you know who's coming on and who's not coming on and the ones that are coming on, you know, they were definitely going to note that when we do our final grades and our final evaluations for this year, Ms. Mara, you got any shout outs? 
Yeah, I agree with Ms. Levitt. The kids that are always coming on to the Zoom sessions, um, I have Dom, Dominic P, Raphael L, Raphael R, Anna, Sophia. Um, they're always there for the most part. So thank you, guys. You make my day. Yeah, that's great. I did, a lot of those... Those shout outs are ones that I mean there's, there's so many kids doing a lot of good work and there's so many kids doing some good things and getting a lot of stuff done. Um, I did join a Facebook group yesterday about adopting Everett High seniors and also eighth grade moving on moving on eighth graders. And I don't think I'm gonna be adopting any of our particular eighth graders, but I did see some of us. I saw I saw Kenzie, Justin and Emma was on there, uh, Lily was on there. So hopefully we can get our students up there and you can get adopted, quote unquote, adopted. I'm not even sure what that really means. What, what, um, is, that a, yeah. what is this for, Mr. McGowan? Because I am a non-social media person. I don't understand. Why yeah, would I, I need to adopt to, a child who, who has somebody in their life that already I think what it means is, like, <laughs> is that people would like volunteer to like send them like a, you know, like a $5 gift card or some kind of gift. Some, I don't know, just something for, for the seniors or for the eighth graders. Tyler Longmore was on there too. So I saw, um, I had him, I, and I asked his mom if I could just adopt him for real. <laughs> and she was, she was willing to give him <laughs> to me, but, it, but I think he's, he's, he's probably either he's 18 or kid. almost 18. A uh, great kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, he, I loved having him for a student. I had him for two, two years in a row. He was, he was a wonderful, yeah, that was your, student. That, was, that was your class where you, where you looped. All right. So today, he's on my Monday, walking we, dead buddy. <laughs> right. Right. We used to talk uh, yeah. Walking Dead every Monday. <laughs> that was a I enjoyed that that group a lot. That that class that was with with your homeroom that was kind of like the algebra kids. That was one of my all time favorite classes. They were they were just nice kids and they liked to they were funny and they were smart. They were they were like they got the joke, you know. They gelled together as a community as well. Like they yeah. actually learned even when they they came in and, and they have had differences with each other. Um, coming in from seventh grade, they like learn to gel and realize like I'm here to learn and you're helping me learn and I'm and I don't need to be best friends with you, but we can be um, colleagues almost like yeah. friends, you know school friends like to help each other. So that was awesome. It, it was a good group of kids and you know what? It's, we've talked about this. Love it. It's it's so sad in so many ways what's happened with this with Corona. Because I think our group of eighth graders this year was heading in that direction. I agree. And yeah, and we were, we were, they were starting to kind of pull it together, and they were starting to go in in a really solid and positive direction. And and then this happened, and then it is what it is. But that's you know just one of those things, that, and we'll never know what would have happened otherwise. But it is is what it is. So anyway, there's some shout outs for today. So I'm going to look into adopting some kids and I don't know, just maybe throw some support out there. And I don't know if I'm going to, what I'm exactly going to do. I also, I also don't want to play favorite. So I'm much more likely to adopt like the seniors than I am like the eighth graders. No offense to our current eighth graders. Um, I agree with that statement. Too. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to play favorites. I mean, there's plenty of people out there. Some plenty of the parents and people are, are choosing to adopt and you, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be good. Oh, I also saw a picture of Justin on his Justin L on his in his bunny suit, wearing a full body bunny suit, playing video games. So thanks to Justin's <laughs> mom for, <laughs> for exposing you on social media. So I gave that a good 
Which Justin? I the, Justin L. Oh. <laughs> I, gave, I gave that a good uh, a good a good laugh. And then <laughs> tell, tell that boy to get off his video games and go do his homework. And he did, believe it or not. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's go to our big discussion for today, which is uh, which is Mama Levitt's Mama Levitt's civics work, and focusing on Article Two and you know one of the hard concepts that I think a lot of people have trouble understanding. Even adults and people that have been around for a long time and have uh, observed presidential elections, they still have a hard time sometimes understanding the idea of the Electoral College. My first question, Mrs. Levitt, um, can I play basketball for the Electoral College? And number two, if so, do they play Monsters University? (laughs) No. (laughs) The Electoral College is actually not a school. It's not a college in that sense. It's a college yeah. as in the sense of a group of people, um, you, you know, using it, the term in that way. But it is, it's, it's, not, it's not a college or a school where people attend. Yeah, that's the thing, the first misconception is we hear the word college today and we think like university, we think school. There's also a, there's also a group of people in Rome called the College of Cardinals which are just like the leaders of the Catholic church. And it's, you know, it's a group that they elect the next Pope, but it's not like a university or anything. It's the college of Cardinals. Um, I have a quick three minute sound clip on some basics of the electoral college. Maybe we could listen to this and then we can go into our discussion about some of the pros and cons of the electoral college. What is the electoral college? In a nutshell, it is a layer of bureaucracy between your vote and who becomes president. At the Constitutional Convention in 1787, the Founding Fathers were trying to devise a balanced way to elect a president. They didn't want the president to be selected solely by a group of political elites like Congress or the state legislature, and they were a little terrified at the idea of a direct popular election, since there was no telling who the idiot masses might pick. So they came up with a compromise, the Electoral College. Each state has electors in the college equal to the number of members it has in Congress. Every state has two senators and a delegation in the House of Representatives based on its population. Since California is the largest state, it has the most representatives with 53, plus two senators, and that gives it 55 electors. Whereas Hawaii only has two representatives and two senators, giving it four electors. Even though it has no representatives at all, Washington, D.C. also gets three electors. That gives us a grand total of 538 possible electoral votes. Each political party has its own slate of electors. 538 Democrat electors, 538 Republican, 538 for the Green Party, and so on. The selection of these electors is controlled by the political parties and how they are chosen varies state to state. When you place your vote in November, you aren't actually voting for the president. You are voting for an elector from your district who represents the political party of your candidate. In all but two states, this is a winner-take-all system, meaning that if the majority of a state's districts vote for one candidate, all of the state electors in that candidate's political party get to vote. So a candidate who wins the majority in New York State will get all 29 of their electors in that state. This winner-take-all system was not how the process was originally envisioned by the founders, but rather a change in the state law made in an effort by party leaders to maximize support for their preferred candidate. Once one state went this route, the rest quickly followed. 
all except Nebraska and Maine, where the state winner gets two electors and the winner of each congressional district receives one elector. This system allows electors to be awarded to more than one candidate, and some may argue is a much better way of representing the population's vote than a winner-take-all model. Or maybe not, since the districts of many states have been totally mangled through gerrymandering, which are political campaigns to rearrange legislative districts to make sure they reliably vote one way or the other. Regardless, once all the votes are in and the electors from each state have been determined, those electors then go and vote for their pledged delegate. A majority of 270 electoral votes is required to elect the president. Theoretically, this system was originally intended to allow electors to act as independent actors and determine whether the public was truly choosing a worthy president. And so, there is no constitutional provision or federal law requiring electors to vote according to the results of the popular vote in their states. However, throughout our history as a nation, more than 99% of electors have voted as pledged. And though there have been electors who broke ranks as recently as the 2000 election, their votes have never influenced the outcome of a presidential election. Ms. Mara, you are not a full-time civics teacher, so maybe you'd be the the good person to, to start with. What what are some of your takes on the electoral college or some things that some of your thoughts or questions or something like that? Let me take everybody on. Yeah. Yeah. Miss. Um, yeah. So first and foremost, I just want to say that if you're, if you're listening and you've been confused about the electoral college, you're not alone. Um, I consider myself fairly intelligent and I also took an entire college course at UMass Boston on nothing but presidential elections. It was during a election year. I had an extremely smart professor and I still am confused about the electoral college, but so I guess, yeah, I'm a good person to start with because I don't fall on either side really passionately. Um, When I was doing some research, I think that the easiest or the quickest, most, quote unquote, logical side to jump on is why wouldn't we just elect our president by a popular vote, right? Like, why wouldn't we do that? But when I dig a little bit deeper, um, because there are such big states with big populations like California, uh, cities like New York, I think Texas has a really high population. Um, If we were to go to a popular vote, I guess my big argument against the popular vote is if we were to go to a popular vote, then really those parts of the country that have big cities and big populations would matter a lot more. And smaller states like, say, North Dakota, um, where there's not as many people, their voice would just be like so, so, so minimized in in the whole process. And politicians would focus more on the bigger states. And you could argue the other way, too, that now with the Electoral College, they're only focusing on the swing states. But I guess the bottom line is it's a lot more complicated than just saying, let's go with the popular vote. So I need to be convinced one way or the other. Definitely a definitely interesting issue. Love it. What, is, what are some of your thoughts on Electoral College? Is that something maybe you want kids to know or just some yeah. of your – we had a little bit of a discussion in our Zoom yesterday. Maybe we can pick up on that. So the Electoral College, like I look at – So in the Constitution, just so everybody's aware, um, remember, the Constitution comes out of the Articles of Confederation. And I look at it like when they picked that it would be two, um, each state has to have a minimum of two senators and one representative. 
which is the same if you look at Congress. You have a minimum of two senators for every state, and every state has to have a minimum of one representative, even though it's based on population. So every state off the bat is going to start with three electors in the Electoral College. The increase of electors are going to come from the population in the state. So I kind of look at the Electoral College like how everything else is in the Constitution with separation of powers, including federalism. And federalism is the one that really comes into play. Um, the, the original intent of keeping the central government, the national government, um, minimum, basically, so it wouldn't become an absolute um, power and a tyranny and control the states. The states were very concerned, and I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about the states themselves, um, of governing themselves. Because the British took away the autonomy of each colony who had their own governments, and they were worried about that. And so when you look at the presidential election of the Electoral College, I look at it as kind of like the people get to vote how they want their state to vote. And then the next level is, the states will vote because the president of the United States, though he is represent or she is representing people, he or she is also representing states as a country as a whole. And they have to be have a vested interest, as Ms. Mara said, um, in, you know, you have state small states. It can't just be certain states with high populations, which tend to be coastal cities um, like in California, in New York, in um, Boston. New Jersey, like the, the Northeast Corridor. Um, and yes, Texas has a large population and so does Florida as well. So like you would have certain pockets of the country voting. Every state has a different type of economic system. Um, what, what brings um, business into their states and how they make money and produce revenue. And so like it's not a one-size-fits-all model. We, our country can fit into the continent of Europe. And so you have to kind of look at that. And so I look at it as a level of allowing the state um, to be represented as well. Also, um, as I think your video mentioned, there was there's cases actually currently, which we'll get, to, I'll talk about in a few minutes, um, in the Supreme Court about uh, what they call faithless electors and uh, voting as the state population goes. Um, but I would say I probably tend to side more with the keeping the electoral college. There's an associate professor out of UMass Amherst who I listened to um, recently, and her arguments made sense. She goes, the problem is not really within the electoral college. The problem, she said, was really within the, um, the, the political parties, weaknesses within the political parties, not to be able to capture the votes of other people except like, like urban centers or just rural areas. I probably packed yeah. that up, Mr. McGowan. <laughs> no, it's 100% true, and it it's a. I think it's a it's a big problem in the discussion to have because, like we like you said earlier, I think it's like six of one, and half a dozen of another. Miss Mayor brought up the idea of you know if there was a national popular vote for the president, so whoever gets the most votes automatically wins and becomes a president, and which by the way is how every other election in the whole country is done. I don't think of any other, from like, um, you know, your city council all the way up to Senate, House of Representatives, everything. The person who gets the most votes wins. The presidency is a unique thing. And 
it is interesting to think about, you know, if it went to a national popular vote, would candidates focus entirely on the big population centers and ignore the rural areas, like you said? But then the flip side of that is the way they have the way the system works today, candidates focus on a small handful of what are called the swing states and they just pretty much ignore all of the the states that are pretty much in one column or the other. I was just I was just making a list just as I was listening to the um to the audio of the states that are that are kind of like what they call purple states. You know, states that are kind of swing states. And I came up with tell me if I missed any. I have New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, North Carolina, Florida, New Mexico, Nevada, Maybe Virginia, although Virginia's been a lot more reliably blue lately. But the the problem is you get you get candidates that focus only on those states in California, Massachusetts, Texas. Like I can't remember the last time we had like an actual like presidential candidate come to visit Massachusetts. They go to New Hampshire for sure. But it's also like a problem yeah. with like the presidential selection process too. That you know, so much of it is on those early states like Iowa and New Hampshire. Oh, I would I would put Iowa as a swing state too because Iowa voted for Obama I think in two thousand eight. But they go oh, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada. Like basically, those four states pick who the nominee is going to be. Like Biden was was pretty much the nominee after the South Carolina primary. In February, I think it was. And then, well, that's when he was the front runner. And then it was like March 1st when they had like the Super Tuesday when a bunch of more states voted, including Mass. But a ton of states didn't even have any say in who the nominee was going to be. Now, that's not the Electoral College. That's just, that's just a different thing. That's, that's, the, that's the political parties themselves. That's the party. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the process. And that's like another whole flaw in our system is, you know, how do we get to these these like nominees? I know like... In, in 2016, yeah. when there was not an incumbent president, they had both parties had very spirited primaries. And, you know, this year, you know, usually when there's an incumbent president, they, he doesn't really have a challenger. So this year was only the Democrats. But you get a lot of people didn't even have a chance to vote for a candidate that they would want because they'd already dropped out of the election because they didn't have because of the way it's focused on those those tiny states. I said this the other day, like if you if you are a, a Republican and live in Massachusetts and you cast your vote for a Republican president, it's almost like you didn't even vote. It's meaningless. So I know you said <laughs> I know you said earlier about like the states and for me, like I just have a hard time reconciling the fact that a state well, that I, the state votes rather than I like think, my vote. So I think the I think like I get the whole idea of the popular vote and but like I like I say to people, like our, our country is not a democracy, a true democracy. It's, it right. is a republic. Um, throughout history and even in current times, um, look at most countries around the world um, do direct votes for their leader. Um, however, um, they also have a lot of problems with their election processes and things like that. Not to say we don't. We have huge, you know, issues going on. I think a lot of it too. Um, raises the point, like this call, this associate professor from UMass, it, it, it's, it's political parties. Like our constitution never, um, the, found, the framers of the constitution never envisioned political parties in the power that the political parties came. They wanted to have a government that was 
um, did not have political parties, that you voted for people who were consciously like wanting to be a leader for the country, for the common good of the person. Um, but yeah, I, that, 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 that tends to be an issue with those things. But like, I, and I want to stay out of the primary because it's not really the electoral college. Yeah. It kind of confuses the kids a little bit with that. Yeah, I, I didn't really mean to go in that direction, but it just it, it occurred to me as like it's it's a part of a larger system where where you live depends upon how much your vote counts. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, my question is, you know, is is that fair? Like, I'm, I'm not saying I want to abolish the electoral college, oh, no, but no, I think no. it's definitely a question to ask. Well, I, question, no, so, and it's a, it's a valid question. I I yeah, I, I, think, I I think. Go ahead. Love it. Do you think that the the fact that the 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 framers of the Constitution didn't anticipate the rise of political parties? Do you think that was one of their main weaknesses or failings? Um, I think they had. I think to be honest, I think you know from what I've read, I think they kind of had an idea that eventually, like that kind of like people tend to go in those directions. Um, when you read about. This is like one of the last things they did in the Constitution when they put it together was the presidency, because <laughs> there was such contention amongst everybody about a president, um, and, you know, like and having a leader, because they were very fearful of it becoming, you know, a monarchy or people thinking of the president as a monarch. I mean, I, I hear kids in, in adults today say, oh, you know, they only follow the president. And I'm like, the president doesn't make all these decisions that you think they're relatively a fairly weak branch of government, except for the power that Congress will allow it by giving up certain powers. Um, but the reality is, is they made it a pretty weak branch of government. Um, but people don't realize that. They put a, a stake in it and their lives or change things. Especially in the, in the last 40 years or so, we've had what's called the Imperial Presidency, where now, I don't think we realize, as Americans say that, yeah, like you said, for for decades and generations, the presidency was a rather weak institution, um, definitely before the Civil War. And then there were a string of ineffective presidents after the Civil War, um, you know, Lincoln being a, the big exception in the middle there, and also you could argue Grant. But for a long mm-hmm. time, I mean, it really wasn't until the 20th century with probably President Wilson, no, maybe even like – maybe- Teddy Roosevelt. I was going to say Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt changed one. the presidency. Teddy Roosevelt, with his whole, just with his person, his force of personality, changed the whole idea of the presidency. And then mm-hmm. even since, you know, since the age of, I mean, in the 21st century, with Bush, Obama, and Trump, all three of them have relied strongly on executive orders, signing mm-hmm. statements. Like the balance of power has shifted more to the presidency. And I think you said this. Love it. I don't know if it was on the podcast or on Zoom about how it sometimes it makes it easier to have one face that you can blame. Yes. You know, like, like the whole. And I think that's the modern times. I do want to yeah. point out, though, for executive orders, Franklin Delano Roosevelt put in 3,500 executive orders. Oh, yeah. And in fact, he kind of like, I would say, also usurped a lot of power as a president yeah. for a bit, too. That's a that's a fascinating case study. If any students listening, if you're if you like politics, if you're into this kind of stuff, you want to look up the presidency of Franklin Roosevelt and just the way that the balance between the president, the Congress, and also the Supreme Court. Remember how um, most of <laughs> FDR's, back it. 
most of President Franklin Roosevelt's reforms that he tried to make were declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, and they struck them down as they were illegal and unconstitutional. And he said that because nowhere in the Constitution does it say that the Supreme Court has to have nine justices, and I'm sure you'll get to that when you get to Article Three. Nowhere does it say nine justices. So he was going, he was threatening to appoint as many Supreme Court justices as he had to to get a majority so that his laws would, would get through. And that was Well not his laws. His 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 policies that he wanted his policies. Congress yeah, well yeah, well he pass. needed he needed, needed the Congress to pass the laws because a lot of them yeah. were declared to be overreach of the of the power of the federal government. Mm-hmm. And so many of them are things that we've been living with our whole lives and we just kind of take them for granted, things like social security and you know those those are kind of the, the big reforms that we have just learned to live with in, in our life. Um, one thing I wanted, I wanted to point out too, just another problem I have with the electoral college is the possibility of chaos that it creates. So I was talking with Ms. Mara about this last night. Um, I think it was, was the, the 2000 election with Bush, with George W. Bush and Al Gore, I believe was decided 271 to 269 in the electoral college, if I'm not, if, if I'm not mistaken, which is you need 270. Yeah. You need 270 votes to win. Um, you could get 269. There could be absolutely be a tie. There could be a tie in the electoral college. And that's another, that's a, that's the next thing to talk about is what happens then. But if there was one, if one faithless elector is, I'm just thinking this is like theoretically um, election happens in November. You know, that particular election, the, the winner wasn't officially declared until December because there was all kinds of recounts in Florida and all that. And the whole election really came down to about what, 500 votes in Florida. I think it was. And then the Supreme uh-huh. court declared George Bush, the winner. And this was until December but then the Electoral College doesn't meet until January. The new Congress. No, the Electoral has College. The Electoral College meets in December. They don't meet in January. Are you sure? I am absolutely positive about this because they okay. have to declare the Senate president will certify the election in January when the new session opens on January third. So within they'll certify the election that day, um, and then so they will. Meet that on. makes sense. All right, so the, yeah. the, then I'm wrong then. So the Electoral College meets in December, but it's not certified till after the new after the well, new. Well, yes, the pres- because the new session of Congress has to come in because the Senate it it um it open joint session of Congress to certify um, yeah. presidential election um, in front of the Congress. It's always interesting to me too that the the sitting vice president, as the president of the Senate, has to be the one to to preside. And Al Gore, being the vice president at the time, was the loser of that election. Mm-hmm. And he had to go and do his constitutional duty and, and certify the election of, of George W. Bush as, as president. I, I yeah, want to say, I think it was pretty funny, that election, just so you know, because I lived in Florida at the time. Oh, you and, did? Or, yeah, was this 2000? No, I, I think I just moved up. Um, I, I was out of Florida at the time. Sorry. But I had it just like. The idea of the hanging chad, which is a whole other story with people, it's like it became a big deal, the hanging chad, even though someone punched their vote, but they wanted to because it didn't fall off. It didn't it wasn't a real vote. 
And yet, but like in another state, it didn't bother. If you had a hanging chad, they didn't make a big yeah. deal out of it. So it's an, it's an interesting thing how politics plays into elections. A lot of this becomes very, very political. And and those of us that were alive in the, in for the 2000 election can remember the, the time when we found out what a chad actually was. <laughs> That's what a, a chad. Students listening, a chad is a little tiny piece of paper that is hanging like that is hanging off the paper, but hasn't exactly fallen off yet. So imagine it's if you like took doing a, a hole punch. Yeah, you do. Imagine you do a hole punch, but it doesn't go all the way through. So that little tiny piece of paper that's hanging off and hanging by a thread, it's called a chad. That was an election. <laughs> and they had to count all the hanging chads in Florida. And wow, it's just, <laughs> it also spawned a lot of like Halloween costumes, like people going as hol- on Halloween as hanging chads and all that. Yeah, that was a weird election. I, I completely thought yeah. that was going to be the weirdest election of my lifetime, and I was completely wrong. Um, the last thing about the Electoral College that that I wanted to mention is I, I just hate how – I mean, granted, it's only happened a few times in American history, but I feel like it gives a, a huge disadvantage to an incoming president who didn't win the popular vote. And you look at – you know, in, in the 2000 election, the final tally of the popular vote was Gore had 50,999,887. Bush had 50,456,002. So it was about 540,000 more people voted for Gore than for Bush. Then you go to the, the 2016 election, and there were 65 million people voted for Clinton and 62 million people voted for Trump, and a 3 million difference. Um, I, think it just puts the, I think it puts the incumbent president in a – in a, in a bad situation that they come in because you'd want them to have a mandate. Yeah. The 3 million that, that, that 3 million difference came from California, by the way. Right. So, I mean, so and by that's saying like, that, that's the argument about popular states, like most, like if it wasn't for California's big population over there, would there, would that person have won the popular vote? And it's, right. it's, it's a very, it, it's an interesting argument because that goes to the people who say things, California will just vote for everyone for president. Yeah, and and for Californians voting for president, like those three million Californians, like my my vote didn't even matter. Not, I mean, yeah, I guess it did. I, I would it stay did, home again. It didn't. They could have, well, they could have they could have stayed home, and it would have been this exact same the exact same um, outcome. But I have Although, something to say about that. Go ahead, Miss Mara. Um. Yeah, like, cause I was I've been, I've been listening to you guys talk, and I I wonder what you guys think because you know up until now we can kind of rely on the predictability of like red and blue states, meaning like Democratic and Republican. But would you say that this most recent election, on top of this new pandemic, might kind of take away the certainty or like the predictability that we have of certain states going red or blue? I mean, I think we might see complete uh shake up mm. of like I, the color yeah. of the map with you know, it, this. It's interesting you say that Miss Merrick cuz the the map also evolves as time goes on. Like Massachusetts mm-hmm. wasn't always a blue state. You know, you go back right. 60 years to uh the election of President Kennedy, I want to say before that Massachusetts was a reliable Republican state. And Massachusetts yeah. did vote for Ronald Reagan in 1984, 
which I think was the last. Yeah, that was definitely the I last time. Ronald Reagan was an anomaly. I think he almost won every state except for two or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan was a huge anomaly. I think he lost Minnesota and uh, D.C. to to Walter Mondale. Was that, that was the first? That was the first election I remember actually ever like following. And Can just I make knowing. A yeah, go ahead. I just want to comment off what Ms. Mara said before we did, did um, deviate to to different. Ms. Mara's right. Like like the states never always were just purple pink. Texas right now votes mostly Republican, but prior to that was very Democratic. The political parties have shifted um, even their own policies and philosophies through the years. Um, why it was Massachusetts was very Republican at one time because of after the Civil War, the Republican Party was the party of like reform. It was the party of, um, you know, of of anti-segregation and things like that. So, and then it switched. And so, um, or like, you know, you started to see differences coming into the 20th century, but those swing states, when they talk about them, they're not the same swing states. Like New Hampshire was never a contention state like 40 years ago. And it's interesting, like if you go through the history of, of, of it, like the state's colors all change or whatever from Republican to Democrat, mostly leaning or whatever. And then the purple states where you never know who's it going to be. Um, it, it, it just goes with the times and the people changing and the different philosophical views of parties and things like that. But Ms. Morris points to this election. I am, I agree with her. I think this pandemic is in, in um, government's reaction to it and things. I think we're going to, it is going to be a very difficult um, per, to predict who's going to mm. win and what's going on. And even to the point of like who the democratic nominee is going to be like, cause like the national convention is where you actually formally select your, na- your, your presidential party, just because you win primaries in, a, in the primary elections doesn't mean that you have to be, you can have what's called a broker's convention, which people don't understand yeah. either. Political parties pick their nominees, not really the people, the people who are voting in primaries, are the people who are members of that party just to let the people, the delegates in those places, the electors, as you would call them, but they call them delegates Mm. to vote for who they want their candidate to be. So come August when they have, or the end of July, when they have their political conventions, which are probably going to be virtual, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I was just going to say that love about the conventions because we're not going to be able to have these big events in, in arenas and we're not going to be able to go to stadiums and listen to speeches and have a big show for four nights. So it's going to all be, it's going to be virtual and I'm sure they're going to still have it something on TV. They're going to have something with that, but I don't know how they're right. going to do it, but who knows? And just to go back to um, one of Ms. Maris points from earlier too, about um, this, 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 the red or blueness of a state changes over time. One, because of the parties change, like we talk about how the Democrats and Republicans have almost flipped in their philosophies over the past 100, 150 years. But also demographically, they change. You know, part of, like, part of what, like, tech, this talk of like Texas becoming more of a purple state as time. Like, California used to be entirely, and now it's reliably Democrat. And, you know, it's more and more like Hispanic voters who a lot of them do vote Democrat, but some do vote for vote Republican, but a lot of Hispanics will vote Democrat. And the more his, the Hispanic population explodes in Texas, that's also true in, in Florida, too, with places like Miami, where there's the huge Cuban population and uh, the urban populations and in northern Florida is more Republican. But even yeah, Cubans actually vote Republican. That's, yeah, Cubans that's do, right. Thing. 
but most are of very Miami Republican. Is, but Miami is a heavily Democratic area, though. It's become know? that um, in the last 20 years or so, yeah. Yeah. Like, but before Dave that, County. it wasn't. Then you look at you look at Texas and you look at like the cities in Texas and you know Austin, San Antonio, Houston. Those are all Democratic strongholds, and where the Republicans are strong in Texas is in all the rural counties where it has there's more land, but there's about the, the same amount, if not less, people, but just more people in that case. But it's interesting how it just sh- how things shift and population shifts. Like we used Massachusetts used to have a lot more share of electors than we used to that we, that we do now i think i've seen congressmen miss levitt do you know that like there was one time there were like 14 15 congressmen in math now we're down to nine that's other, um they, the other population right well, no it's because well, pop, the population here like so what happens is if you when people move around and the populations change your electoral votes will always change in your state Right. So California is up to 55 now, but there's a lot of people fleeing California, moving to Texas, which is partially, they say, why a lot of those votes are turning, um, like it's starting to turn a little bit more blue. Um, yeah. But they also, but California, will they lose an elector or two in the next census or not? Because that's we're in a census year or this year. Yeah. And, uh, and even in math, even though as our population has gone up, our share of the population has gone down because other states have yeah. grown have grown faster. And also you mentioned like California's moving to Texas. There's a lot of like New Englanders too, or people from the North that moved to like yeah. Virginia and Carolina and yeah. they, they retire down there and that turns those States a little bit more blue. In many cases. With them. All the, well, yeah, all the New Yorkers, the, the, you know, the, the stereotype of all New Yorkers moved to Florida. They all retire to yep. Florida and <laughs> a lot of them, people from New York city, you know, bring their liberal views with them. Anyway, good discussion. I just realized we've been on this for quite a while, so we should we should move on. But good talk about the electoral college. You guys have um, your civics assignments this week are mostly due about article two, about article two, and about the electoral college and the, the election of the presidency. If you have any questions, if you didn't understand our conversation today, or if there's some things that you want to ask about, come on to the Zoom today at eleven at one o'clock. If you're in if you're in my period C or if you're in Mrs. Levitt's period C, come on today. And if, if you're on period D, uh, come on tomorrow at one o'clock, and we can answer some of your questions about electoral college or really anything else you have going on with your work for this week. Um, let's take a quick commercial break. We have a couple of commercials from our big sponsor today, Barry's Barometer Barn. So let's hear from Barry's, then we'll come back and answer some student questions sit there and just kill yourself with wonder about what the weather is going to be like that day? Like, is there a big storm coming? Is it going to be sunny? Is it going to rain? Is it going to hurricane? Or possibly even typhoon? Yeah, those are the same things, just labeled differently depending on the ocean it's happening on. The weather. What is it going to be like today? It is the eternal question that eats away at every human on the planet daily. Well, unless you own a TV, listen to the radio, have a weather app on your smartphone, or even read a newspaper. (laughs) Like anybody does that anymore. Anyway, you have no idea what the weather is going to be like. You, my friend, require a barometer. 
What's a barometer, you ask? Well, Google it, you embryonic millennial whippersnapper jerk. Once you've done that, you will understand why the barometer is the crap the meteorological world. So don't waste another second of your barren barometerless existence. Storm into Barry's Barometer Barn today, where we don't know the meaning of high-pressure sales. It's always no-pressure sales at Barry's Barometer Barn. In fact, our sales staff is so low-pressure, you'll wonder why they haven't graphically decompressed. This has been a... All right, we're back on the Mom Beloved Show. Thank you to our sponsor, Barry's Barometer Barn. Get out and buy a barometer. We all need one. Um, student questions. I got a bunch. Want to do some? Let's do some basic ones first, then we'll get to some some uh, some of the more complicated ones. Miss um, Mara, burgers or tacos? This is from Robert F. Oh, oh God, that's so hard. Burgers. I love both. Love it. I'm a cheeseburger person. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. I take one over yeah. taco any day. I'm going to go with burgers too. Um, if the answer was burgers or burritos, I might have to think about it a little bit, but tacos. So that's Robert's <laughs> question. Um, Diana V brought this up on the zoom yesterday. Orange juice or apple juice. Love it. Orange juice. Tastes better. <laughs> Nara? Nara? All the, yeah, all the way orange juice. The nutritional value is better too. Yeah, that's three of us yeah, for I agree orange with you juice. Tomorrow. Yeah, three <laughs> of us for orange juice. Um, this one a little bit more. Oh, let's get Mr. Jaffe on, and then he can give us his opinions. Mr. Jaffe, good morning. Oh, hi, Mr. Good morning. You caught me by surprise, Mr. McGowan. Oh with yeah, you nine o'clock start. I know. Well, <laughs> I, um, I had to. I, we had to. We have a thing going on at eleven, so we had to do an early one today. No, that, um, that's right. I don't have yeah, anything we, going on at eleven, right? Your department. No, no, it's, it's, no, it was it's, a PP thing that we signed up for. Um, yeah, Mr. Yeah, Jaffe, yeah. burgers, burgers or tacos? Oh, tacos. Oh, tacos. <laughs> wild, <laughs> wild card. <laughs> um, orange juice or apple juice? Um, orange. Okay, so we're, we're unanimous on orange juice. Um, <laughs> let's 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 bang out a couple questions that we've I've had on the list for a while that we haven't got to. Um, here's one. Let's, let's let's do some emotional, social emotional ones. Maria Clara asks, "Why do people like to hide their feelings, like bottle up their feelings?" Oh. I haven't. <laughs> who wants to take this? Who wants to take this? <laughs> a good question. I got it from I'd love it. I think because people are afraid to be vulnerable. When you when you expose your emotions and your feelings to people, you are making yourself vulnerable to how they're going to react to the way you feel. And the fear is is that people are going to um, react in a negative light, and you're in in going to basically um, make fun of you or not validate your feelings of how you feel and make you feel less of a person. So I think it's vulnerability is why people tend not to um, and or the people are going to, especially in middle school um, and high school too, um, 
blab how that person feels and tell their secrets out and start rumors with them um, rather than help them. It's easier to bottle up your feelings and just pretend they're not there than to risk what might happen if you show them, even though that's yeah. a better choice. And even Mary, you want to too. that? Weren't we just talking about this, Miss Mara? Were we just we were. About this? This, I, this is like all I read about these days is the importance, and not only the importance of letting yourself be vulnerable, but how, how much bravery it requires. And a lot of people think that vulnerability is weakness, and, you know, weakness kind of goes with being a coward, and it's actually the opposite. I think when you're brave enough to, like, put yourself out there and put your emotions out there, you're actually being brave. Because you are risking, you're taking a huge risk of people not accepting you, putting you down, making fun of you, and not having that connection. But, but you lose 100% of the time if you don't put yourself out there. So, you know, you're never going to be able to find that connection or that, that happiness if you don't. So it requires a lot of bravery. I agree, Miss Mara. You can't, yeah. it's hard to, to bond with people too, Miss Mara, right? If, if we don't put right. ourselves out there. So you lose out both ways. You lose 100%. You miss 100% of the what do you shots think, you don't take. Michael Scott. People, I think also as a society, I think we're trained. Well, from a male perspective, um, mm-hmm. men from a very early age are trained to hide our feelings and to bottle up our feelings. Um, we're, we're told, you know, don't cry, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't feel like, and like, we're also, we're made to feel like almost shameful for our emotions and it might not even be like directly. It's also, it's indirect. Um, yeah. A lot of it is implied. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, and, and I don't know, like, I can't, I can't even, I can't tell you if I ever saw my dad cry. Yeah, I, I have. I, I, I couldn't. I, I definitely have. But I mean, I'm, we're talking like you can count it on one hand, not even close. Yep. Like nine. And that's like, and my grand, like grandfather, like all the, like the males in my life, like you get that, you get that, that, what's the word, that message from them that to hide your feelings, to bottle them up, to not let them out. And it's not healthy at all. You know, one thing I'm working on with, with raising my son is, sort of, you know, taking his feelings and like accepting them. Cause you know, I'm one of these like crunchy, you know, liberal hippie parents, <laughs> as you, all know. you know, and but when we, I actually had got a little mad at my father-in-law once we were up at their house and Jonathan was having like a, like he was just, he was upset and he was crying. And my father-in-law said to him, stop crying, stop, just, just stop crying, stop crying. And I'm just like, no, like just let it all like here. And like, he doesn't need someone right now. He doesn't need someone yelling at him to stop crying. He needs someone to like mm-hmm. give him a hug and make him feel like it's going to be okay. And that, that's what he needs right then. So that's my take on like hiding feelings. I can't speak for the female uh, population, but from like, from like a male perspective, that's, that's kind of, I think how a lot of things go. Um, switching gears to schools. Sophia, I asked, will we be behind next year when we go to high school? And I love it. You've already talked about this a little bit. Do you want to take that one first? Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that um, the students that are actually continuing to do work, even if they're struggling through the process of learning how to learn by themselves, 
will be better prepared for high school next year because they're going through that process of having to, to figure things out and problem solve, which is very important. Sometimes in school, um, we kids, students tend not to, to have, have the time or the ability or the want to problem solve because they want just the teacher to um, help them explain it right away the minute they couldn't, they didn't understand it. Um, and teachers tend to do it too, because that's what, you know, we want to help people. And so I think this is going to help any student who's doing absolutely nothing and hasn't even done a stitch of work since um, March 12th. Um, I feel for them. I, I do. I think they're going to have a harder time next year and they're going to struggle a lot more. They haven't practiced yeah. anything. I agree. Mary, you have any thoughts on that? Uh, no additional ones. I, I agree. I mean, I think that everyone's going to be behind in a way. And I've said this from the beginning. I think teachers are going to have to think about like how they're going to modify what they are used to teaching because it's not going to really make sense to start where they usually start. But that being said, if you're not doing any work at all, you're going to be way farther behind. I mean, just naturally than if you're doing work now. Yeah, Mr. Jaffe. No, I, yeah, same. I, Sophia Ingrando's not going to be in trouble because she's doing everything. So um, yeah, I think kids who are not doing for, um, their assignments are, are going to be really uh, behind. And uh, it's going to take them a while to catch up, and it's going to be a very different year uh, come September or August, wherever we start. So I think kids who yeah. have this independent streak are able to do this kind of work are going to be way ahead. It's going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And part of the difference is going to be you're going to be responsible for doing some work not in the classroom, and you got to get used to it now. Yeah, get used to it now, and this is a good time to practice and just get the get it through your head that it's not going to look the same. It's going to be different. And like I've said this before, like if, if people are sitting at home and they're just being like, oh, I'm not doing that, uh, then you're only hurting yourself. You're not hurting us, um, and you're making it harder for you to be able to transition back into school so it's it's up to you it's not we're not going to be here to hold your hand and make you do some stuff um next one comes from wilbur is it possible to stay back answer to that wilbur is no no one is staying back everyone's getting promoted even though there's a few of you i'd love i'd like to keep behind just just to have around because we enjoy you (laughs) but you're all you're all moving on (laughs) you're moving on to high school next year um, but your transcripts Lexi, do matter. <laughs> right? Yeah. Lexi says, are we going to redo our classes again when we go back to school? So I'm not really sure what she means by that. I put a comment on that. And I think I think if she, she's like redo like this year. I don't know if she's asking about redo our classes like re, like repeat the year. If If that's what you're asking, Lexi, then the answer is no. Like you're moving on. But if you're talking about selecting your courses like redo our classes again i think i don't know if you mean like take like picking your classes for next year i'm not sure what she means by that um anyone with questions on course selections can email mr engel or probably miss nado right wouldn't you say wasn't she handling a lot of the course selection stuff yeah mr Engel's the main person but yeah miss nado will yeah. help answer and you can email would, any one of us as well too we'll you can email any one of us and we'll point you in the right direction but if you want to reach out to mr Engel directly e-n-g-e-l mr it's m Engel. um annabelle wants to know do you think the new twilight book will be as good as the rest of them anyone read twilight 
any of the no. books or seen the movies? I have no. not. Uh, neither. No. The so Vampire Twilight thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are four yeah. on these. Did I did see that Stephanie, whatever her name is, Stephanie something, whatever the author is, is coming out with the new Twilight book. That was big. That was like 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 ten years ago. That was a huge thing. Like all the girls, so many girls at EHS were like reading Twilight, and they were all into vampires and werewolves and all that. Um, Gabriel P wants to know: Will everyone be given A's in their assignments, or are we being graded on our assignments on Google Classroom, and that will affect our final grade? Answer: Gabriel, yes, you are being graded on your assignments on Google Classroom, and that will affect your final grade. Evan Levy, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I know Gabe. Gabe's also having a really hard time right now because his Chromebook that he actually picked up because he has been trying to do all his assignments properly yeah. um, is broken. And his mother returned it, and they gave him another broken one. <laughs> so I think I set him up. I heard that um, Everett's getting some new Chromebooks um, in so that and set up so that I told um, Gabriel um, – I gave him a link. I said for his mom to get on it and he can exchange that broken Chromebook. Don't keep it, exchange it. Let them know that they're giving you faulty um, equipment. Get, get something that works because I have a feeling you're going to need it for next year too. Yeah. We're going to have to come up with some kind of plan that we can have. Hopefully we can have Chromebooks in the classroom and also out of the classroom next year. I don't know if that's going to be possible. They might end up having to bring Chromebooks in with them. Like, like their Chromebooks they were assigned. It might be, it's going to yeah. probably be an interesting thing. That's a good point. They're going to have to, they're going to have to bring them in and bring them home, but almost like a one-to-one laptop initiative. Yeah. That's where we're, we're going to have to, every district's going to have to do that. We're going to have to do, donate a huge portion of our budget to technology. Mm-hmm. Probably we should Definitely. be, but at Mr. the expense Lovett of. Mr. said that today. Mr. Lovett yeah. said, if you're going to, if you're going to have online school, you're going to have to equip the technology. You're going to have to have technology support for students support. and teachers to call into. Um, yep. And it's going to dip into your um, budget. Like if they're going, the other thing too, is if they're going to require me to, to have like zoom classes, then I, the school district has to find some way to get me a better broadband connection because I can't, I can't mm-hmm. host the yeah. zoom with all the stuff that I, I need. I need to upgrade, upgrade my, my internet, all of us, you know, and we should, we should be given devices. I shouldn't be using like my personal Chromebook to be doing like schoolwork, but you know, right. I guess I could write it off as a tax, uh, as a tax deduction. I don't know if that, if that counts. Yeah, um, I think it does, the, except uh, as a teacher, you don't get much. <laughs> we don't get much. Yeah, we don't get, right, right. Well, we get $250 for, yeah. for expenses. <laughs> I feel like I, I don't know about you guys. I feel like I spend a lot more than that over the course of the oh, year. I spend a the year on my students. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think, I think all of us spend a lot of our own money on, on, on stuff. Um, Emerson asked, did you guys receive the form where we choose our high school classes? Um, I'm not really sure what that means, but Emerson, Mr. Engel. Um, yeah, check with, email Mr. Engel or email me or Ms. Nato. One of us will put you in the right direction to doing your classes. I know Miss Nadeau was hosting Zooms or co-hosting Zooms with Engel to try to get kids all signed up for next year, but that's something we absolutely do. Um, and they have to join off. those Zooms when they have them. You can't yeah, not do them when you've been invited. Yeah, these are great questions. Go on to, yeah, go on to your Zooms. Love and I are doing them every day at, 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 um, at 1 o'clock. And so whichever your day, your classes, that means you, you can come on definitely twice a week and talk about and answer questions or you should have some questions. 
Um, Josh has a question about sports, which I'm going to table for the later. Jacob and Zeta had great questions about masks, about wearing face masks in public. Oh. And let's save that one. Let's save those two for Friday because that can be a good discussion. I feel like we'll have, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a discussion about, especially because today is the day when Governor Baker has mandated masks throughout the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So we got to make sure we're out there wearing our masks. You don't want to get fined three hundred dollars. That's if you cannot social distance. If you're in a place where you can't, it says it too. And if If you you have asthma or health condition, you do not have to have it because you'll probably cause your asthma to flare up if you wear a mask. So yeah, let's let's take Jacob's question and Zeta's question on Friday. We'll talk about masks and we'll figure out some things on that. Um, Let's go to our let's go to commercial number two from Barry's Barometer Barn today. Hi, I'm Barry, owner-operator of Barry's Barometer Barn. Lately, I bet you've been lying awake at night asking yourself, how many barometers do I really need? Well, at Barry's Barometer Barn, we think you need more than one. Otherwise, we're going to go out of business. Remember, at Barry's Barometer Barn, we don't know the meaning of high-pressure sales. Come on, folks, buy another barometer. I'm trying to put my kids through college, I've got a family to support, and a secret mistress who isn't cheap. Visit Barry's Barometer Barn, 000 Storm Drive. Come on, folks, buy a barometer. I'm Barry's older brother, Larry, and every time one of you people walk past the store without coming in, Barry... This has been a presentation... All right, thank you, Barry's Barometer Barn, for their second commercial of the day. And also thank you, Barry's Barometer Barn, for editing your commercials to take out any school-inappropriate content so that our kids would not be scandalized with such, such stuff. <laughs> um, quick game of, of Would You Rather. And then uh, – oh, actually, you know what? Let's, let's do um, – today's Wednesday, so we're going to do a journal question. Um, let's do journal instead because we need to get to this one. Today's journal question is: I wish there was a law that said blank. Levitt, go first since since you're the civics person. I wish there was a law that said. I right, right, right. skip me. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> Mary got one. I'm a libertarian. <laughs> you are a libertarian. So, that's right. There was a law that put a limit on how many times my child could call from the other room. Mom, I need you. Mom, can you do this? Mom, can you get this? And, um, sorry. Yeah. I wish there was a law for that because I feel for you right now. I so feel for you. I'm losing my mind over here. Oh, I know. You poor thing. At least, at least like, I have the ability to come down in my basement and like escape, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so they could, they could be yelling. They could be yelling for me up there and I, and I wouldn't even know I'm in my soundproof basement right here. Um, Miss Mara, I feel like it's something like this. Lewis, 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 <laughs> mom, 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 mommy, 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 mama. 
Mama. It's not Mama. something like Mama. that. That's what it is. Ma. Ma. <laughs> Mom. 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 Mommy. Mommy. Mama. Until they call Mama. you by your first name. <laughs> she won't answer them. <laughs> I love, I love the, the end. ending. Stewie goes, hi. hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so Jonathan. That is amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, so I either wish there was a lot. Either that or they should provide us with like the government should give me an all expenses paid like independent vacation after this or something. Yeah, or <laughs> they could provide you with like, some kind of like a bubble that you can just like put your child in for like a certain amount of time. Like you'd 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 be allowed a exactly. certain number of time before like child services would be notified. Like you, you exactly. have like, this is what I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting yeah. at. <laughs> you're a, yeah, you're a lot of your first name yet, Emma? <laughs> yeah. What? DCF needs to give us some guidelines. She calls on you by what's your the first name. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't do that quite yet. It's more of like a volume. The volume just increases <laughs> with each. Wow. And I'm like, my hands are full. Like, I'm actually washing. You're just sitting on the couch. Like, what? I need some kind of training or something. I don't know. Get up and I'll have to deal with this. <laughs> exactly. They're programmed for that. Like, I'll be sitting right next to Jonathan, and Jen will be in the other room, and he'll, and he'll be like, Mama, Mama. And she's like, your ditty is right there. Like, he's literally right <laughs> next to you. And, you know, <laughs> and kids are like that. Yep. Mr. Jaffe, any uh, – I wish there was a law um, that said – I wish there was a law that said people had to be kind and respectful all the time. I don't think it'll ever happen. Mine is kind of related to that too. Like I, I, I would, I wish there was a law against like internet trolling. That's, yeah, that's that was a like, good one. That, I mean, I, I'm a big First Amendment guy. You know, I'm a big believer in free speech. I'm, a, you know, I'm a former journalism teacher, and 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 I'm into, you know, I, I believe in the in the in free press and free speech. But internet trolling. I guess they should just be happy with the fact that when they die, they're going to go to like a special circle of hell. The people that like the real internet trolls. Yeah. I would, uh, I would love to like outlaw sort of like internet trolling. So today's journal topic, I wish there was a law that said blank. And then why that's for May 6th. Let's hear from Barry's barometer barn one last time. Then we'll come back and do some music trivia. It's inventory time again at Barry's Barometer Barn. Hi, I'm Barry. It's the end of the Barometer Barn's fiscal year, and guess what? We have tons of barometers left over that need to move. So many, in fact, that I haven't made enough money to keep my house. Thanks to you cheap anti-barometer buying I've been living in the store, and my wife and kids have left me. But that's okay. That's okay. Because I'm still willing to bend over and take another financial hit just so some of you people will learn about barometric pressure. Why do I care so much about ancient meteorological devices? Maybe I want people to learn about something that isn't also a music player, sex crunch arcade machine or a phone or maybe my need to teach people about barometers stems from that traumatic head injury I sustained as a child while eating porridge 
we may never know. Visit Barry's Barometer Barn during their inventory sale. Please visit. My little brother Barry can get pretty mean. You hear that? That's the sound of the wheels in my wheelchair. A wheelchair I never used to need. But that was before the Barometer Barn started losing money and to make hands meet. <laughs> Barry sold parts of my spine to a medical research company. If this inventory sale fails, Barry says my collarbone's next. So you know I'm serious when I say we need to move some... This. All right, we're back to the number one. Time for trivia. So get out this weekend and go to Barry's Barometer Barn and buy a barometer because <laughs> I don't want to see Barry and his and his brother have to move out of their house. Support the barometer for business. Small business. And I think Governor Baker's order is going to allow barometer barns to open up sooner than other businesses. All right, we got music trivia. Overall, our score, Lovett has five wins. Jaffe has five wins. Miss Mara has one win. Here's how this trivia is going to work. I have oh four. My. I have, no, no. Did I say one win? You have three wins. You have three yeah, wins. Okay, that's better. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bad. I, got I was five. like, am I doing that bad? No, you have three. I've got four sound clips. So what? Four four music clips. What we'll do is I will play one, and then I'll ask a series of five questions after that, and the first person to buzz in gets to answer the question. That they're based on the clip. They could be directly based on the clip, or they could be um, indirectly based on the clip. Uh, clip number one. Who is the artist? Mara. Oh, Mara. Mara. Kanye Mara. West. Kanye West. Good. Uh, number two, what is the song title? Uh, I know it's not Gold Digger, but I'll go with that one. Well, no, you, have to, you, have to, you, have to, you have to buzz in again. Oh, all right, never mind. Say Mara, <laughs> <laughs> Anybody got that one? It's not Gold Digger. It's called Jesus Walks. Uh, number yeah, yeah. one, part, part C. Who is he married to? Jaffe. Mara. Jaffe. Beyonce. No, Kim Kardashian. Mara. Hey. Miss Mara. Kim Kardashian. That's correct. Uh, no, part D, what is his hometown? Love it. Jaffe? Love it. Chicago? Yep. Yes. And then part E, name one of Kanye's collaborators on the 2014 song, Four Five Seconds. His two Mara. collaborators. Mara. Brianna. That's one. Anyone name the other one? Mara. Mara uh, yeah, Mara, go. Paul McCartney. Wow, killing it, Miss Mara. Miss Mara got four out of five Kanye questions. All right, music <laughs> trivia number two. I used to think that I could not go on. And life was nothing but. 
What is the song title, Mara? I believe I can fly. Who is the artist? Love it. Mara. Love it. Uh, I'm going to make a guess. <laughs> I'm probably wrong. R. Kelly. Love it's on the board. Uh, C, on what 1990s movie soundtrack was this song featured? Mara. Mara. Space Jam. Space Jam, obviously the the star being Michael Jordan. Part D is how many NBA championships did Michael Jordan win? Love it. Jeffy? Love it. Six. Correct. And last one, how old is R. Kelly? Everyone gets a guess. The closest without going over wins. Jaffe, how old is R. Kelly? Uh, 55 years old. Okay. Love it. 52. And Mara? 50. And the winner is Mrs. Levin. <gasps> R. Kelly really? is 53 years old. He was born January 8, 1967. Which My favorite R. Kelly um, thing that I like is um, Dave Chappelle's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Parody. I, can Google that one. Google, I can't really Google say R. that. Google R. Kelly, Dave Chappelle, but don't tell him, don't tell him that Mrs. Levitt told Mrs. Levitt sent you that. All right. He's kind of a creepy guy, though, isn't he? He was. Yeah, oh, he was yes, born he in 67, but most of his preferred girls were probably born in the 90s. Um, not, a nice, not a nice guy. Not a nice guy. Score update. Mara oh, has no. six. Levitt has three. Jaffe has one. All right. Third quarter is our sound clip. To the sun, there's more to be seen than can ever be seen. More to do than can ever be done. Some say I'll be eaten. Some say live and let live. But all I Join the stampede. You should never take more than you give. What Mara. movie soundtrack is this song from? Mara. Jaffe. Love it. Lion King. This artist is the all-time best-selling UK solo artist in the U.S. Name him. Love it. Jaffe. Love it. Love it. Elton John. Correct. Name the title of the song. Mara. Jaffe. Mara. Circle of Life. Uh, name at least one more song by Elton John from the Lion King soundtrack. There are Mara. two other ones. Mara. Can you feel the love tonight? Yep. And one more. Anyone name the other one? Hakuna Matata. Mara. Mara. I can't wait to be king. 
Close enough. I just can't wait to be king. Last one for this section. What Hollywood legend was the voice of Mufasa in The Lion King? Je- Love it. Mara. Jaffe? Jaffe was first, I think. Uh, James Earl Jones? Name one other movie that James Earl Jones prominently, his voice is prominently featured in. Love it. Jaffe? Love it. Star Wars. Darth Vader. Also, he is uh, coming to America. I would have accepted that. I would have accepted Field of Dreams. And we can't have a music question with Mr. Gowan without having a Beatles clip. So it's number <laughs> four quarter. What's the title of this Mara. song? Love it. Mara. I get by with Mara. help from my friends. By with help from Mara. my friends. With a little help from my friends is correct. Um, B, which famous Beatles album with the long name is this song from? You must name all the words and have them be correct. Jaffe? Jaffe. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? <laughs> correct. You added the band at the end, which made it correct. Um, part C, which Beatle is the lead singer of this song? Jaffe. With a little help from my friends. Jaffe. Uh, Ringo. Ringo. He usually had one song for Ringo Starr. Um, part D, name at least one other Beatles song sung by Ringo. He usually has one per album. Anybody? Jaffe. Jaffe. Uh, is it, he? She was just seventeen. I don't know. No, that's John. That's John. Okay. Oh, I should know. Paul. Paul wrote that one. Anyway, "Yellow Submarine" also sung by. Oh, there by you go. Probably the most popular one, and then "Octopus's Garden." Act naturally is other ones too. Last question: What is the name of the man who assassinated John Lennon? Jaffe. Jaffe. Uh, Chapman. Mark Chapman. Close enough. Mark David Chapman, who which right. proves my theory that anyone with three names is an assassin. James Earl Ray, <laughs> Mark David Chapman, Lee Harvey Oswald. If you give your child three names, you're you're setting them up to be uh to be a to be an assassin. All right, final Mr. score. Can I just yeah. say uh, you you, you posted ahead. a picture of yourself with your new um, hair, and, and you look, uh, you kind of look like one of those guys. I do. <laughs> I, was, I mentioned burn. the other day. You just I got was, burned, Mr. McGowan. I, I saw you coming down the street. I ducked I, I, I into a store. No, I got burned by the sun over the weekend with my new haircut. <laughs> Jeff, you got that scowl going yeah. that scares people. I, you know, I wanted to, I was thinking about going down the state house. And joining the, the the protest to open up Massachusetts, you would have fit right in. I would have fit right in. Yeah, I was going to bring my my skull and bones and my my uh, doctored American flag, and I was going to bring an AR-15 too. But we don't have open carry in Massachusetts, so you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to bring that. But I got I got you know, you got to fit in. <laughs> the way I look at it is this: since we're in like a post-apocalyptic time right now, we're going to have to choose 
and we have to join like these gangs for survival. And uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I never gang up on my own individual self. We're gonna have to. Well, yeah, that's well. My gang is. We'll, we'll we'll take you and cannibalize you, Levitt, because you know survival of the fittest in post-COVID times. Is, You'd have see. to find me. <laughs> my, my, I gotta learn how to ride a motorcycle first, then I can join a like a like a biker gang. Um, they'll fit right in. I, I need some tattoos too. Maybe some some face tattoos, neck tattoos. Is, is yeah, from the, from the head down, you're perfect. <laughs> from the neck up, I need to neck up. That's it, right? Just, right. I don't know if they'll take my uh, my political profile or my my educational uh, background, but the rest, rest of my at least from the from yeah, the, all, the head all, up. From all the, those degrees I, I will be a drawback. I don't think they. I, I don't think they'll like my my elite private school degrees. <laughs> I have to conceal them. Um, Jaffe had five points. Levitt with five points, and the winner for today, Miss Mara, with. 11 points. Yay. Miss Mara takes the win. Mr. Jaffe and Miss Levitt, everyone's laughing at you. <laughs> also, you guys. You lose. And just to, just to add, just to throw salt on your wound. A loser. Really? Me really? Too. Why are you already not nice, but this is like adding to it. <laughs> Let's go, Angie. He loves his sound effects, is what it is. He does. <laughs> wow, we're going way over our time today. <laughs> yeah, just keep playing that until... He did like two commercials today. You know what? I, also, <laughs> I want to get a soundtrack, a sound clip of Donald Trump saying "winning, so much winning, win." And I'll play that for I'll play that for the winner. That actually that might motivate oh. people. People might might not want to win. They might not want me to play that for them. Um, idiom for period C and D is dull as dishwater. And my example is watching paint dry is as dull as dishwater. I don't know why dishwater though. Is dishwater dull? I guess it just sits there and doesn't move. The water is dull looking. Yeah, that must be why. Yeah, that must be why it makes it. it, Yeah, dull as dishwater. Just like sits there. Dirty. Gross. Yeah, gross. Dirty and gross. Right. right. Watching paint dry is as dull as dishwater. Mr. Jaffe, you got an example of something that's dull as dishwater? You know, I hate to say it, but watching baseball. Oh, Mr. Jaffe. I know. I know. Isn't that awful? I just, no, it's I, true. I'm, uh, is, is, is as dull as dishwater. I'm sorry about that, though. Blasphemy. Uh, I, like Levitt, I, I love playing, but watching it is yeah. tough. Uh, Miss Levitt, what's dull as dishwater in your world? <laughs> um, I don't want to say what I was thinking in my head. Um, <laughs> uh I don't know. I can't think on the top of my head right this second. Mary, anything as dull as dishwater? I think scrolling through my social media feeds for the 97th time in the hour is as dull as dishwater. I love love the thing you you sent me uh, when when Instagram says, you've caught up at all posts. It's like, yeah. what? How, dare, how dare you that's tell me? rubbing salt in the wound yeah that's like no, how dare you salty. judge me for scrolling Instagram for the 50th <laughs> time this hour 
<laughs> you. All right, so Indian today, dull as dishwater. Uh, your journal entry was, if I wish there was a law that said. Um, Mr. Jaffe, why did the rooster run away? Uh, why did the rooster run away? I don't know. Why did the rooster run away, Mr. McGowan? Because he was chicken. <laughs> Hey, Mama, love it. What? Love it. Why was the mother flea feeling down in the dumps? Oh, I don't know why. Because she thought her children were all going to the dogs. <laughs> some idioms. Just some idioms there. Down in the dumps, going to the dogs. And uh, Miss Mara, when they told me to stop impersonating a flamingo, you know what I did? What did you do? I I put my foot down. <laughs> uh, I like it. It's been a long show. We got a lot of we got a lot done today. It's almost an hour and a half of uh of material. Um any oh, last comments? What's that? Uh for me, uh, I posted a uh, email this morning. I there's a screencastify with um, the work and structural screencastify, you guys. I even gave you some answers. Uh, look up in the sky. There's a plane flyover today at 12:15, and there's a full—I don't think we're going to be able to see it though—full supermoon. The flower moon is up in the sky tonight, so check it out. Look up in the sky. Oh, wow, it feels like it was just yesterday that we were talking about the last supermoon. We've really been in quarantine <laughs> for that long. All right, this so we'll see some of you. 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, 2020, is, it's going to be the end of human civilization anyway, so it'll be the last one in human history. Um, we're gonna, it's, it, I think it's, time, it's time, time to get out of here. We've been here too long. Um, for the Mama Levitt Show with everyone else, uh, Mr. McGowan, Bye, or Mr. Jaffe, Miss Mara, and Miss Levitt, we're going to play you out with a classic song by Bob Marley called Three Little Birds. Remind ourselves that everything is going to be all right. We'll talk to everybody on Friday. Do something good today and don't get caught.